Okay, well, today, so we are still in chapter 49. 49, three weeks in chapter 49. Uh, and now, um, remember, if you remember, we divided it up into, there's really uh, uh, the, the last words of Jacob are these words of blessing uh, to his sons. And uh, we could call them prophetic blessings. Not like a blessing like, may God give you a million dollars, you know, that kind of blessing. But it was sort of like, this is uh, your, the trajectory of your descendants. May God bless you, you know. And, and so he goes through all of the sons, and uh, we've learned lessons uh, about, uh, you know, the, the beginning, the sons at the beginning. We looked at the, uh, Judah, and what we said about the whole thing is that when you read at chapter 49 uh, in one sitting, you can see quite clearly that there, there are two prominent tribes. Two prominent tribes, right? Judah and Joseph are the prominent tribes. Uh, all the other tribes, uh, you know, he says uh, some interesting things too in a line or two, you know. Uh, but when it comes to Judah and Joseph, uh, they are, the, he speaks... Uh, more to them with very uh, substantial words and meaningful words. And last time, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Judah, the tribe of uh, Judah. Uh, and obviously, we saw there the, uh, the promise of kingship comes through Judah. Uh, and we learned a lot of lessons uh, the previous week and a couple of weeks ago about how... Uh, Blessings can be forfeited, right, uh, by our actions. And we saw that with the firstborn son, uh, Reuben, and also with Simeon, and to a certain extent, Levi as well. Although Levi is kind of interesting in that he, his trajectory is the priesthood, which is very interesting. Uh, but then Judah is the tribe on which uh, kingship is, is conferred. Then you have a number of uh, statements about the other tribes and mostly having to do with blessings and prosperity, ultimately. Some have to do with personality traits of, the pri of, 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 these, uh, of these tribes and, and how they conduct themselves. Uh, but when we come to Joseph, uh, the tribe of Joseph, uh, we see uh, uh, four or five verses here about Joseph. Now, we've already learned... That the, that the tribe of Joseph, in fact, it sounds weird to say that, the tribe of Joseph. You never hear that, the tribe of Joseph, right? Because the tribe of Joseph was divided up between his, uh, the, his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which is how you pronounce those names, uh, Ephraim and, and, and Manasseh, uh, these two sons. And, and Ephraim would be the dominant one of the, of the two. Uh, we saw that Jacob already blessed them, uh, you know, in that way. So now he doesn't speak in, in verses 22 to 26, uh, he doesn't speak about Ephraim and Manasseh, but that's who he's talking about. But he refers to it as the tribe of Joseph, to Joseph, this blessing. And remember that Joseph was the beloved son of, uh, of Jacob, Right? Uh, the woman that he loved was Rachel, and she bore him two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin was the baby, uh, and uh, Joseph uh, was the older one. 
And we've already learned uh, that he, he was given this coat and he had dreams of oversight of his brothers and we see God's hand on Joseph and we're not even done with that. There's an epilogue at, at the end of the story, still more, a little bit more uh, about Joseph. But so let's read here. What we want to uh, try to do today is look at the blessing on Joseph, see what we can glean from that, and then make a few comments on the very end of Jacob's life. Okay, so in verse 22 of Genesis 49, it says, Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a spring. Its branches run over a wall. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained firm and his arms were agile. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the, st the stone of Israel, from the God of your fathers who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of one distinguished among his brothers. Okay, so there's the language in these verses is highly symbolic very much uh, 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 poetry. And not only that, the Hebrew is not easy in, in some of these verses either, which tells us that it's, you know, just how ancient uh, these words are, okay? Uh, does anyone have uh, something different than Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring? Anybody have something different? No? Yeah, do you have that? Wild ass, it says, right? You have that. What, what translation is that? JPS. Okay, that's right. I, so, well, that sounds a lot different than fruitful bow. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, you know a little different there. So it just goes to show you that the Hebrew there is uh, not easy to translate. It has some uh, funky, you know, um, funky formations there. Uh, and uh, so it sounds. Here, I'll read it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but. I'm spending already too much time on it. But all right. So uh, anyway, in, uh, so this is what it says. Uh, it says, Bain porah Yosef, Bain a porat. Right? So that's very poetic, and it, it pretty much sounds like son of fruit. Joseph, son of fruit. But uh, there's a, a few little odds and ends here that cause it to possibly not be Bain or Ben, uh, but to speak of a, uh, a wild donkey. And the context of that is that it is a, he is, uh, he's doing his own thing. Not that he's bad. It's not in a negative connotation. But that he's, uh, um, you know, he is, he's free, so to speak. Doing his own thing. Uh, and using uh, language of animals. And if you look uh, at, see, here's, here's a great lesson to learn. If you look at the rest of the chapter, you see that most of the sons are described with animals, okay? So it isn't always the etymology of a word, uh, you know, or how it's spelled, but how it's used, okay? Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, then, of course, see where it says the, in verse 23, the archers bitterly attacked him. 
So archers don't usually attack fruit, uh, okay? But they might attack a wild donkey. See, with a bow and arrow. See the, 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 the visual there, okay? So you have that. Then and there's another thing. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 33, I think it's around verse 18 or so, that uh, Moses is poetically writing to the children of Israel about their future, and he refers back to some of the verses here in chapter 49, and he uses, he, he talks about Joseph and these particular verses in particular, and he uses the phrase, a wild ox. He uses the phrase, a wild ox, which isn't exactly the same as a wild ass, but it's an animal, and so it kind of relates that way. All right, so there's our Hebrew uh, lesson for today, which tells us that, uh, that if, oh, if I only knew it in the original language, I would know exactly uh, how to translate it. No, that is not always the case, okay? So uh, now, Ben Peri, that's really nice, you know, the, the, and most, you'll notice most of your translations, right, have that. Because they don't, they don't want to use the, the wild donkey, the wild ass. They, so uh, most of the translations, uh, ha, and even the, it's either the older or newer JPS has a fruitful uh, son. And by the way, bow, it doesn't say bow either. So it's son, okay? So actually, if, you, if, if we go with the uh, son, son, actually, literally, it would say this. Joseph is a fruitful son, a fruitful son by a spring, and its daughters run over a wall. <laughs> okay, so even even uh, branches, it really doesn't even say branches either, I mean, it's daughters. Ay, 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 what do we do with this? So you have to sort of look at it and say, well, what's it getting at? It's poetry, right? It's poetry. You've got to understand it that way, okay? Uh, so if you say, oh, my wife is a beautiful flower. Well, what kind of flower? I don't understand. What, you know, yeah, sunflower, uh, uh, you know, what kind of flower? It doesn't look like a flower. How could it be a flower? Right? It's, it's poetry. It's descriptive language. And uh, that's, uh, that's what you have here. So, so basically, <laughs> what this is saying in verses 22, and how long did that take? In verses 22 and 23, Basically, what Jacob is saying is that God has protected Joseph and that Joseph is a fruitful son. You know, I, you know the, and the, the concept is if, if you, uh, you know, if you uh, get a lot of naches from your children, you know, a lot of joy from, from your children. That's basically what, uh, what Jacob is getting at uh, uh, here that Joseph is a joy to him, right? Uh, when he uses, again, a fruitful uh, or a, a wild uh, a donkey, uh, it's making the point that he's free and that the archers can't get at him, you know? Uh, or using the vegetation uh, metaphor, the fruit metaphor, that he's fruitful and, and, uh, and a real blessing to me, you know, his, his, his father. And he is protected. The archers bitterly attacked him and shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained firm and his arms were agile. So we can stop there. Uh, you know, and, and so he uh, was able to overcome. And when you think back on the life of Joseph, that's basically what happened, right? Whether it be his brothers 
uh, or the Egyptians at the beginning, uh, that he overcame uh, hardship, uh, attacks, uh, and so on. And uh, he is fruitful and assertive. Uh, and, uh, and so what a, what a blessing this has been. Now, so the beginning of this passage talks about the past, as we see. This is what Joseph has been, and, the, and he's been harassed, and God has protected him. And now we're going to have this series of words that describe God. Now, this is very interesting. A series of words that describe God, some of which are only used, one of which actually is only used here, and uh, one is, of which is only used a few other times. So kind of interesting to describe God who has protected him uh, and the one who is in the future going to bless his descendants. So we see here uh, from the, right in the middle of verse 24. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, the mighty one of Jacob. The, uh, you know, of course, uh, powerful one of uh, Jacob. Uh, a, a warrior. Uh, a, uh, a, a protector. Uh, a definition of strength. You know, like the, 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 the strength of God, Right? Uh, the mighty one of Israel. It's only used a few times as, a, as actually a phrase. And then, interesting, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So it's almost as if he's saying, it, it's kind of an odd uh, thing to say. You, so he says, from the hands of the mighty one of Israel, the mighty one of Israel has protected him. But the mighty one of Israel is a shepherd, and the mighty one of Israel is a stone. Or from there, uh, you know, some writers say it, Perhaps Jacob was like pointing to the sky, you know, from there, or, uh, or out of the mighty one of the one who is uh, all-powerful is also the shepherd. The one who is all-powerful is also the shepherd and also the stone. Not three gods, not, uh, you know, a variety of gods. And remember, at this time in history, everybody was believing in a variety of gods, really, except the Israelites. Uh, and, uh, and, and so out of the mighty one is the shepherd uh, and the stone of Israel. So you have three different, uh, you could say three different, not only titles or names, but three different attributes of God that are really very powerful. That uh, Jacob is saying uh, how God has revealed himself in the life of Joseph. So you have strength, the mighty one of Israel. We could say tenderness, the shepherd of Israel. And stability, uh, the, uh, the stone of Israel. Now, the stone of Israel, this is very interesting. This is the only place in the Bible where we read that phrase, that God is called the stone of Israel. Rock is different than stone. Rock is a different word. Sur, sur, right? Rock. Evan is the word stone. This is stone. So you get the idea that it's uh, like a bigger, obviously, a bigger rock, <laughs> okay? The stone of Israel. Boy, real, like, stability with a capital S, you know, that uh, God never changes, and God is faithful, 
Uh, he is all-powerful, and he is all-caring. Uh, and this is how God has revealed himself uh, in the life of, of, uh, of Joseph. How he has and how he will. How has he? Certainly God has shown himself to be uh, all-powerful uh, and a shepherd uh, and uh, the, one whom Jake, uh, the one whom Joseph can rely on in all the trials and tribulations uh, that, uh, that, that, that he went through. Certainly, uh, uh, God is uh, all-powerful uh, in the way that he orchestrated uh, everything uh, that, that uh, takes place uh, in, uh, in Joseph's life. Uh, he's, the, he's certainly the shepherd guiding and guiding and leading Joseph uh, through everything to bring him to the place uh, where, he, where he could fulfill his calling, right? Uh, his protector and all of that as well. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the stone that uh, God never changes through any of it. And as we'll see in the next chapter, you know, we'll probably maybe refer back to this, what the brothers did to cause evil, God uh, used differently because God has a particular uh, a plan and whatever, God has never thwarted. God never has to go to like plan B, C, and D, that uh, he works straight through whatever's going on to bring about uh, the desired outcome. Uh, now, because of the sin of, uh, of people, sometimes that outcome takes a little while. Think about the wilderness wanderings, right? That's a great, uh, the greatest example of all for just about everything, right? That uh, when uh, the Israelites left Sinai, the plan was not to travel for 38 years around in circles, okay? But after they got out a little way, the people would not believe God. They would not enter the land. And so, therefore, it was going to take a lot longer, but they did get to the desired outcome. They got to the land, but it certainly took a lot longer. And even in the wilderness, we see God as the mighty one, uh, the shepherd, uh, and indeed the one uh, who um, the one who is uh, the one who is tender. And we can certainly relate to these um, these verses as well, because God never changes, right? So I was thinking, where, uh, what would be uh, some, you know, good places in the New Covenant that demonstrate, that demonstrate this? And there are uh, individual uh, uh, passages, but one I think that, without saying all the words, but kind of puts it together, is at the very end of the book of Hebrews. Sort of like the, you know, the book of Hebrews is actually like a sermon. I don't know if you're aware of that. But it was, uh, it was an oral delivery, okay? Uh, that's why it uses a lot of rhetoric, and a lot of rhetorical phrases and some exaggeration and other, you know, other things. So at the end, and, and uh, you who have heard thousands, thousands of oral presentations of the, of the Word of God know that hopefully, the great hope is eventually you get to the end, Right? Uh, and that, you know, okay, and this is the take-home. This is what it means. So, you know, the book of Hebrews is filled with lots of stuff. And basically, you know what the book of Hebrews is about, right? That uh, the Jewish Hebrews, Hebrews, right? 
Right, so in the, in the complete Jewish Bible, the Jewish New Testament, right, the book of Messianic Jews. Huh, isn't that a riot? Love that. Okay, uh, and so that's what's written, written to Messianic Jews who were being persecuted and who were like on the fence. Should we go back? Should we just go back? Life used to be a lot simpler. Let's go back to that. Or, or do I stick with Yeshua? Do I, do I, do I keep going? You know, what do I do? What, what do I do? I remember when I was... Uh, I, when I first came to know Messiah, and I told my parents, you know, I, I told them in the most wrong way you could ever do that, right? And that was like on Rosh Hashanah, right in the middle of a thousand people in a sanctuary in a synagogue, okay? Uh, so without going into all the detail, I, I told them, and then I had to go back to school right afterwards. Oh, so that night, you know, they called me, and I, you know, you're... My mother said, you're, you know, you're killing your father. And my, my father said, your mother aged 25 years in the last 15 minutes. Right? It was horrible. And, and I remember I was uh, going to a school right, on, right, right near a lake, Lake Ontario. Uh, and my, where I was living was right uh, just off the lake. So I went down to the lake and stood on the rocks and like, God, what do I do? I, you know, I, I'm not the kind of person... I'm, I'm not a, uh, you know, everything's been pretty smooth so far. You, you know, uh, this is not how it's supposed to work out. Uh, and so should I, should I forget about it? Can I, how can I do this to my parents? I, or, or, or is it just true and I must keep moving forward? Well, the rest is history, right? Uh, and, and so this is what people were dealing with uh, in the book of Hebrews. And, and all of the arguments in Hebrews is about the greatness of Yeshua, uh, not that everything else is bad or terrible, but that Yeshua is, is greater than Moses. Yeshua is greater, Yeshua's priesthood is greater than the Aaronic priesthood. That, that everything about Yeshua is greater, and that if we're going to fulfill our calling, we need to follow Yeshua no matter what the cost. So in chapter 13, here he's sort of winding it, winding it down, and he's basically saying at the end of the day, live godly, have gratitude, follow the Lord. You know? Uh, and, and where the rubber meets the road is not in our, uh, not in our uh, statement of faith, but in the way that we carry ourselves, although our statement of faith is indeed very important. So he says, let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Now, so he's saying, he's giving like a few moral statements, moral and ethical statements. But he's getting to, and this is why. Okay, and this has been his argument all the way through. Okay, he says, For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. To that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua the Messiah, is the same yesterday, today, and, uh, and forever. 
Now he goes on to say a lot more, but it's almost like it, it reminds me of this passage all the way back in Genesis that uh, God has protected Joseph. Uh, and Joseph uh, lived a stellar kind of life. Joseph is a character, unlike Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you really can't point too much at Joseph, you know, at some big mistake or some big gaffe. Uh, he uh, was one who trusted in the Lord in difficult situations. And these statements, the mighty God, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, is demonstrated not only in the life of Jacob, but all the way through the scriptures uh, and uh, in the life of the Messianic Jews uh, at the beginning who were living in the diaspora, living outside of the land uh, there in the, uh, in the first century. Uh, and, uh, and so, therefore, uh, we can say for ourselves, uh, you know, that uh, we're kind of like Joseph in that way, uh, particularly blessed. And Joseph, right, he lived a very difficult life, right? Separated from his family for many years, and prison, and great ups and downs. Yet when, uh, uh, when uh, Jacob is uh, describing this, he talks about the, the blessing of God. When you read verses 22 to 26, you would never get the idea uh, that uh, you know that there was uh, there was great uh, that there was great difficulty. Uh, you see, no, God protected him, uh, and that God is all powerful and and strong, and and the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And so then you see in verse twenty five, from the God of your father who helps you, and by the Almighty who blesses you. He's using more phrases. The God of your father. The God of your father, right? His father is, uh, is Jacob himself, right? Now, you know, when he says stone of Israel, some have suggested that maybe he uses the word stone of Israel because back in chapter 28, uh, uh, Jacob set up a stone uh, pillar to uh, be a memorial of his encounter with God. Uh, and so perhaps in Jacob's mind, it reminds him of that promise and that encounter with him. Uh, but nevertheless, when he says, the God of your, from the God of your father who helps you, uh, Jacob is making the statement here that, uh, you know, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is the God of Joseph. And God never changes, just as he has been the protector and the shepherd uh, and the uh, stable force behind Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So he has been with, with Joseph and will be with the future uh, of, of Joseph. And by the Almighty uh, who, uh, who blesses you. Now, this is very interesting. Uh, this is one of the rare places where uh, the word Shaddai is used without L. Okay, this is uh, uh, Shaddai, and it's used again in this uh, passage, interestingly enough, in its, the context of what Shaddaiim uh, is. 
And Shaddaiim is breasts. Shad is breast. Shadim or Shaddaiim is uh, is breasts. And so, so you see in verse twenty-five when it says, "And by the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of heaven of above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb." The word "breast" and "Almighty" is uh, the same root word. Kind of interesting, isn't it? And uh, as uh, you've heard before, that uh, Almighty is, uh, it's, off, it's used as a translation, but, but it is not necessarily the, uh, the, the best word. And usually where you see the word Shaddai, it has to do with uh, multiplying and children and, and future. And, and almost every, uh, every time the word like El Shaddai is used, it's used in it's talking about the blessings of, of childbirth. Okay, uh, and so it is no coincidence that in this verse it talks about the blessings of the breasts and the, and the womb. All right. So speaking of the word bless, notice how it's used over and over again uh, here. It's not used in the rest of the chapter, but it's used here. Okay. What is described to the other sons uh, are blessings. You know, uh, but here with Joseph in particular. The word blessing is used. The word blessing is used in the big picture that you know Jacob uses of blessing his sons. But here with Joseph, you have the proliferation of the word blessing. And we take the time and, and read it in Hebrew because in Hebrew, when you read the Hebrew Bible uh, and it's poetry, the poetry is laid out as poetry. And, uh, and so in English, when we translate it, the first word isn't always the primary word. But in Hebrew, it, it's like, brach, you know, blessings. Brachot, 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 brachot. It's like all in a row. And when you just look at it, you see that word like stands out because it's the first word of each line in, in, this, in this verse. You don't exactly see it here, uh, but you kind of do, but not, not exactly. It really stands out uh, in, in Hebrew. Blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breasts and the womb, blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors. Uh, lots of blessing going on here, right? And it's on purpose. It's on purpose to show the, just the, how uh, Jacob is praying, the, the pouring out of extreme blessing on Joseph. And in the temporal, outside of you know, outside of Judah being the, uh, the leader tribe uh, and the king tribe, the tribe of Joseph receives more blessing than everybody else. When it comes to land, when you add up Ephraim and, uh, and Manasseh together, uh, great, uh, uh, great blessing. And if you remember the, the history of, uh, of Israel after the separation of the tribes, right? The northern ten tribes is much larger than the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is much larger than the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom is Judah and Benjamin, okay? The northern kingdom is everybody else. And the leader of the northern kingdom is Ephraim. And so great power, uh, great wealth, all of that. Uh, and it's very interesting because we know that what happens? Well, it all gets squandered in that, and that Ephraim and Manasseh uh, end up uh, not being able to appropriate 
all this blessing because of sin, because of walking away from God. Much had been promised uh, uh, to them, uh, and, uh, but it was squandered. And when you look in the book of uh, Hosea, you see the heart of God about all of this. Hosea was a prophet in the northern, uh, in the northern kingdom. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you study uh, in our uh, MSI prophets class, when we study the prophets, we look at Hosea and Amos uh, together. Why do we look at Hosea and Amos? Because, you know, you could read the prophets and say, you know, they all kind of sound alike. You know, aren't they all kind of saying the same thing? Repent or you're going to have a lot of trouble. Yes. Uh, you know, it's sort of like the way we say, you know, basically you could give the same message 10 times in a row and just call it something different and tell people to read their Bible, follow the Lord, pray, you know, uh, uh, be surrendered to the Lord and, and, and so on. Well, in, in one sense, they are all saying the same thing. Turn from your sins and return to God and, and, uh, and so on. But when Amos is preaching, he talks very much uh, about, uh, the, about injustices. And he talks about the justice of God and how the people have been unjust. Okay? When Hosea is uh, talking to the people, he says, you've been unfaithful. He uses a different picture, in other words. The one that Amos uses is more of a legal picture. The picture that Hosea uses is more of a marriage picture. Okay? And so uh, Israel has been unfaithful to God, unfaithful to God. Uh, and so it's interesting uh, that uh, you read here in all this unfaithfulness, and you can read it all on your own, but we, and of course, we sing a, a song about Ephraim. And remember, Ephraim is Joseph. Don't forget that. Ephraim is Joseph. In verse 8 of chapter 11 of, uh, of Hosea, we read, How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? So he's, he's talking about, see, Ephraim was so powerful that when he's talking about the entire northern kingdom, he uses Ephraim to talk about the whole, all, all the people. Okay? So he says, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like these, these foreign cities? How can I make you like Admah? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim again. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Indeed, he will roar. And his sons will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like the bird, birds from Egypt and like the doves from the land of Assyria. And I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. But for now, Ephraim surrounds me with lies. <laughs> You know, he has this little interlude of, wow, one day, what it's going to be one day. But it shows you the angst of God here. He doesn't want to judge them because he loves them, you know? And so when you come back again uh, to Genesis uh, here, 49, again, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the mighty uh, one of Jacob, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, the almighty in the very same way, we see here that you know, this is who God is and that he has never changed. He desired to bless the tribes of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. This is who he is. 
but yet because of their sin, they, they could not appropriate it. But God loved them, and he wanted them uh, uh, to trust him. And he says, and the day will come when you will. But sadly, for now, there's going to, there's going to have to be repercussions for your sins. But the, the deep love that he has and the desire for blessing. He says, may they be on the head of Joseph, on the crown of the head of the Nazir, the one distinguished among his brothers, the Nazir. That's where we get the word Nazirite vow, the, Naz, the distinguished one. Sometimes it's used for the one word prince. You might have that in your translation, the prince uh, at the end of that verse. Uh, the distinguished one, the prince, the Nazir. Uh, and certainly that reminds us kind of of Yeshua, doesn't it? The, the prince of Israel, the prince of Israel. But, uh, but it is uh, very important, I think, for us. The takeaway for us uh, is that this is the heart of God. And this is the heart of God uh, uh, toward us who believe that he is the mighty one. He is our shepherd. He is the stone. Yeshua is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Those whom the Father gives to him, he will not cast out. We can trust him. We can trust him. He is indeed faithful to us. And yes, his desire from the beginning has and always is, is to bless this world, bless his people, not just bless us individually, but to bless uh, this world. And it is our own rebellion the rebellion of humanity that keeps, that keeps that blessing at bay. And when we receive Messiah, when we embrace him, we can partake of the blessing of God. And the blessing of God is, is indeed to, to know him and to have the assurance of that and to know our calling uh, in this life. It is not about uh, you know, uh, uh, the ease of life. Uh, it isn't about, uh, you know, getting whatever we want and, you know, and all of that. But it is an assurance of relationship with him and that our sins are forgiven. And, and the day will come when there will be indeed a new world and we will have indeed new bodies. But today he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest for your souls. He goes on to say that my yoke is easy and my load is light. And we all bear great burdens and loads in one way, shape, or another in our life. And so we are kind of like Joseph. Our God is a mighty God, the shepherd, the stone of Israel, the one who indeed blesses us. Remember, uh, we, um, we've talked in the past, and I share this at MSI, that I believe that the unifying the unifying uh theme of the Torah is blessing, is, is blessing. You could say, you could make a case for holiness and other things and like that. But I think it all hinges on, on blessing. When God created the heavens and the earth and put man in the garden, blessed humanity, right? And God, God is so gracious that he gives us instructions so that we can know how we can demonstrate his character in our relationships with one another and in this world. And that's why he wants the, his instruction to be on our heart so that we can live that blessed life of relationship with him and others 
uh, and this world. And that's why he circumcises our hearts so that we can, the Torah can be placed in our hearts and we can just live it out that way by the power of the Ruach uh, HaKodesh, the power of the Spirit of God. Uh, and, uh, and so that is, um, that is indeed, uh, uh, you know, in the, the grace uh, and mercy of God. And so God speaks much about blessing Joseph. And it's also no, con- no coincidence that it's basically at the end of the blessing of the sons. Blessings, blessings, blessings. And you know that we see at the end in the prophet Ezekiel, when he talks about you know, the, the resurrection of Israel as a, as a people, the valley of dry bones, the bones are rattling, the bones are shaking, the bones come together, and then everything comes on the bones, and then it's a dead body, and God breathes life into it, right? Then right after that, it talks about the two sticks of Judah and Joseph. Wow, Joseph like comes out of nowhere here. Judah and Joseph are unified in blessing. And it's a vision of the end, you know? Judah and Joseph uh, blessed at the end. Because the context of everything in the prophets is the two nations, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? Uh, and so here we see great blessings on Joseph. And I would suggest that, yes, blessings on Joseph, blessings on Israel, blessings on the, on the nation. And that we can partake of that in Yeshua. We can experience God as mighty. We can experience God as the shepherd. We can experience God as indeed the stone, no matter where we may be. And back in Hebrews, that's the motivation for, let me just repeat that, the, just one little part of that. In Hebrews chapter 13, that's how we can be hospitable. That's how we can have great marriages. That is how we can be freed from the love of money. That's how we can be content. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And so the the motivation for godly living in gratitude is remembering who God is in my life and that he has my back, that I can count on him. He's the stone, he's the shepherd, and he's almighty and he's real. So I can live a whole life and not go off, you know, off the deep end, so to speak, and chasing the rabbit, whatever that rabbit might be uh, in, our, in our lives. And the end result of that is blessing from God. And then at the end, we've, we basically read, all these 12 tribes of Israel, uh, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them. Isn't it, again, this is what their father said to them. Not just Jacob said to them. It speaks very much of relationship. This is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, everyone, with the blessing appropriate for him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with a field from Ephron the Hittite for a burial site. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there I buried Leah, the field and the cave that is in it, purchased from the sons of Heth. So he blesses his sons, talks all about his sons, 
Talks all about this is your future, sons. This is the blessing on you. The last words that he says, he says to his family. The last words that he says, he says to his sons. Uh, and these are loving words that he, that he says to them, right? And, and I think that it, when it says what their father said to them, it really just says something to us. Remember what we said at the beginning of this whole section a while back? The best years of Jacob's life were his last years. Surrounded by his family. Surrounded by his sons, daughters-in-law, I guess, also. It doesn't mention them, but they must have been around. And his grandchildren. And we read about it. He blesses his grandchildren. He blesses his, his sons. But then he says to them, this is what I want you to do with me. And that is a blessing too, by the way. Let me just say, by the way, it is a real blessing. If you're ever, I don't know where you are in life and things of this nature, but it is a blessing to children to have it all figured out before you go. It really is. It is a blessing to lay out, this is what I want you to do with me afterwards. I, I, it just, uh, I can tell you from my own uh, experience, a tremendous blessing. And so Jacob blesses them in that way. This is what I want you to do with me. But there's certainly much, much, something much more important than that. And that is, at the end of the day, what he reminds them of is our home is Canaan and not Egypt. Our home, our promised land, remember he said this already once before, but now he's going to die right now. Uh, and he reminds them the last words out of his mouth. Bury me in Canaan. Bury me, with, bury me in the family plot. Take me home. This is where we belong. And this he instills on them. The very last words are, take me back home. Take me back to Canaan and bury me in Hebron. Bury me in the cave of Machpelah. And that is the last words of Jacob. After all is said and done, his last words are his blessings on his sons and about the proper burial at our home uh, in Hebron, at Machpelah. And then it says, when Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. And so Jacob dies. And Jacob leaves a legacy. The legacy of the, the trajectory of his sons, where the homeland is, you know, uh, and uh, the relationship to, the, to Abraham you know, and, and Isaac. Uh, ground zero, you might say. They're the cave of Machpelah. Uh, and, uh, and so then Jacob, Jacob's life is over. And the legacy uh, here is that he's, he reminds them of their history. He reminds his sons of where they come from, who they are, and what their future is. And when a people remembers what they're, where they come from, what their calling is, and what their future is, there remains the, uh, a, a history and a trajectory into the future. And so the history of the Jewish people is bound up in the... Tw After all, we're descended from one of them, right? Uh, and so the history of the Jewish people is bound up in the prophetic blessing of Jacob on his sons. And that trajectory goes to the end of time, including uh, this day. Uh, and so, the, so Jacob leaves us with a real sense of legacy, calling, uh, and history. And then as we'll see, 
uh, next time the sons are going to honor their father and bury him uh, in the right place, but then there's still a little issue yet to be resolved. And so let's pray. Lord, thank you for the, uh, the history, the legacy that Jacob leaves with all of us. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the end of the story is not at the end of Jacob, but that through the 12 sons, the covenant uh, of, uh, uh, of you and Israel goes on forever. And uh, thank you for the trajectory of these sons. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the relationship uh, of Jacob and his sons. Uh, uh, and uh, Lord, uh, thank you that from this point on, Israel is called, all of Israel is called, no matter what year it is, the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel. And uh, so, Lord, may we live out the trajectory of blessing and calling in our lives. We pray in Messiah's name.